greetings, beloved in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalmist says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Amen. You look beautiful. I can see so many colors today. Amen. I can see a lot of variety today. Amen. <laughs> and actually, as we are talking about the Lord's grace, I just want to touch on how we look like today. That when God encounters us, because he created us differently. If you look at the book of Acts chapter 17, he talks about how God from one person, Adam, created different races, different cultures, and he put boundaries for each one of them to live where we are. So you are who you are the way that God designed you. Amen. Amen. Can you tell your neighbor, I am who I am. Exactly the way God designed me. Amen. Amen. Be proud of what God has made you to be. Amen. So let me just start with this introduction. <clears throat> Did you know? Let me start with Abraham. Did you know that before Abraham met God, he was a moon worshiper? Hmm? Some of you think that people are born again from birth. No. When God finds us, he finds us in our own corners. And when we say yes to him, he makes us who he wants us to be. Okay? So if you say Abraham was a moon worshiper, but when he had an encounter with God, it means there were some of the things in his culture or in his tradition that had to change to align with this new identity in Christ. But there were a lot of things that he had to keep. Because a lot of things is how God created us. Okay? Let's take the Israelites. And maybe as you go for the Israelites, let me just share with you what Jesus said to them. Because I want to link this with the grace that we're talking about. Go to the book of Mark chapter 7. The Israelites were also a nation. Okay? The, it's not like God, God is not an Israelite. Can we all say God is not an Israelite? God is not a Jew. As much as God is not a vendor. <laughs> Amen. He is God. The Bible says God is a spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And he created us all in his image. Now, for the Israelites, as they were believing God and worshiping God, they also had their traditions. Some of the traditions, yes, God said it's fine, you can come along with your tradition. But some of the traditions, say, uh -uh, this doesn't fit with my scheme of things. Because I want you to understand this so that when I link it with grace, you will be amazed to see that God can accept us even as we are. Amen from where we're coming from, because that's how he created us. Yeah. Amen? Amen? So in the book of Mark chapter 7, verse 5 to 9, and then verse 13, I'll do it in the New King James Version. Then the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, why do your disciples not walk according to? I want you to look in your Bibles. 
Why do your disciples not walk according to? Do you have it in your Bibles? Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders? So let's agree the Israelites also had their tradition. Tell your neighbor the Israelites also had their tradition. And now the Pharisees were realizing but your disciples don't follow all the tradition of the elders. But eat bread without unwashed, with unwashed hands. He answered and said to them, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, These people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrine the commandments of men. Meaning, even during the time of the Israelites, there were a lot of things that people would teach people as doctrine, but those were commandments of men. It was not God's word. Verse 8. For laying aside the commandment of God, you hold the tradition of men. Did you see how Jesus was rebuking them? Mm. Meaning, they were also having things that they were holding on to. Haven't you heard some people say, it's our culture, pastor. It's our culture. Yes, when it's our culture and it doesn't contradict what God has said, we keep it. But when it's our culture and it's contrary to this new identity in Christ, we've got to be told, you can't lay aside the commandment of God and hold on to the tradition. And by the way, do you know there's even this thing about, I thought that, okay, let's read verse 13. Making the word of God of no effect through your tradition, which you have handed down. So they also had traditions, but they were nullifying God's word and holding on to tradition. Okay? I want you to look at this closely because there are a lot of things that are not necessarily scriptures, but it's just tradition. Some of it is even a Jewish tradition, not necessarily the word of God. Okay? So now, if we understand this thing of tradition, I always used to think that the things about consulting the dead, I thought it was an African invention. Seems some of the things that we think we are ahead, there were others. Can you go with me to the book of Leviticus chapter 20? Because we'll do it in the NLT, Mr. MJ. Welcome back, Mr. MJ. We'll do it in the NLT. Leviticus 20, 6 to 8. I want to show you that this thing of consulting the dead it's not an African invention. It's people were like that. People do those things. But what does God say about it? Amen. As much as we say this is our tradition, when you come to God, there are things in our tradition that we keep, like the way we are wearing today. It's only missionaries who will say when we are wearing like this, this is unchristian. You know, like some of the missionaries apparently when they came, they even changed our forefathers' names. You know, the, the reason why they, we had two names, the English name was called a Christian name. Because your, your native name was not Christian. But that was just an English name. 
The name Edward has got nothing to do with Christian. Amen. It's just an English name. So, but they were now passing on some of that tradition as if it's the word of God. Okay? Similarly, look at this. Leviticus 20, 6 to 8 NLT. I want to connect this, what I'm telling you now, with why I think the grace of God, I thank God for his grace, that I can be accepted as an African in Africa today, and God can welcome me and use me as much as he uses anybody in the world. Amen? As long as I don't nullify the word of God by the tradition of man. Can you read for us Leviticus 26 to 8? Okay, so God was saying he will also turn against those who commit spiritual prostitution. So according to God, when you've got more gods than one, it's like, you know, when you've got other concubines outside your marriage. It's not right, isn't it? So similarly, God wants us to acknowledge him as the only God. So now he says those who commit spiritual Prostitution by putting their trust in mediums are those people who are able to link you with the dead. And it says, or those who consult the spirits of the dead. Continue. I will cut them off from the community. So imagine now God comes to an Israelite and he says, I know that you like consulting the dead. But this is not what I want you to do. I want you to consult to have only one spirit, the Holy Spirit. I don't want you to have other spirits. So it means I can't say, but God is our culture. Okay? Just read verse 27. 27. Of the same Leviticus 20. Okay. Men and women among you who act as mediums, or who consult the spirits of the dead must be put to death by stoning. They are guilty of a capital offense. That's what you see during the time of the Israelites. If you if you were breaking the laws of God, they didn't wait for God to deal with you. They would deal with you. Okay, a lot of people were stoned, saying you are violating what God wants. Okay. But we don't want to stone anybody. Okay? We are just saying that there are things that sometimes we hold on to and we say it's our tradition. And think that it's actually our invention. I'm surprised to see that even the Israelites were consulting the dead. Would you have thought of that? You would have thought this thing of ancestors and consulting the dead is an African heritage. It's other people's heritage also. The devil is the same devil. Who makes us have other worship, have other spirits beside the spirit of the Lord. Amen. It's good to know where you come from. It's good to know who your grandfather was and your grandmother was. And that's our roots. That's true. The only bad part is where now I want to worship them. Okay. So I need to appreciate that they are my lineage. 
Like in the book of Matthew, when you read, you will hear, so and so be God, so and so be God, so and so be God, so and so. So if it was wrong to have a genealogy and my forefathers, then there should not have been a Matthew chapter 1. You get that? So there is nothing wrong with you knowing my great-grandfather was so and so, he was a cattle herder. Or he used to stay in that village. And you think about the heritage of where you come from. The only wrong part is now when you consult the dead. Okay? Look at this in 1 Samuel chapter 28. Verse 3 to 9. So, so there was a time when, by the way, the other thing when people consult the dead, it's because they think they will get help from the dead than they will help get help from God. Let me repeat. Often when people consult the dead, it's because they think they will get help from the dead than they will get help from God. Let me show you that statement from the Bible. So there was a time when Samuel, Saul, you remember when Saul rebelled against God and then God put judgment on him and he was no longer even listening to him. Look at this. Then you will see what Saul did. 1 Samuel 28, 3 to 9, NLT. Meanwhile, Samuel had died, and all Israel had mourned for him. He was buried in Ramah, his hometown, and Saul had burned from the land of Israel all mediums and those who consult the spirit of the dead. Okay, so in Israel, they were banned from all the mediums and all those who consult the spirits of the dead. But now look, you will see. You see, there is this thing where you preach something, but when you are in trouble, you also go for it. Like you will hear people say, uh, there are people who will say, no, even pastors, they go to Inyangas at night. You see, they just tell you these things. So if they say that to you, you must say, I'm not following the pastor, I'm following the word of God. Amen. So if they know some pastors who are consulting, who are going to Inyangas, that's the pastors they know. Okay? Or you can say my pastor doesn't. Because I know this one doesn't. Amen. Amen. But now here Saul banned these things because he knows it's an abomination to God. But listen, when he's in trouble now, from verse 4. The Philistines set up their camp at Shunem, and Saul gathered all the army of Israel and camped at Gilboa. When Saul saw the vast Philistine army, he became frantic with fear. Like sometimes you also are afraid with some of the things that you are encountering. And they will even advise you, hey, you know these things are not working out because you need to consult. Continue. He asked the Lord what he should do. Yeah, at least he wanted to start asking God. Yeah. But the Lord refused to answer him. Hmm. Either by dreams or by sacred lords or by the prophets. Hmm. Saul, Saul then said to his advisors, Find a woman who is a medium. But he just burned the mediums. Mm. Mm -hmm. So I can go and ask her what to do. His advisors replied, there is a medium at Endo. You know, you know, usually people will tell you where these people are found. <coughs> okay, continue. <laughs> so Saul disguised himself by wearing ordinary clothing instead of his royal robes. Then he went to the woman's home at night. Oh, wh what time did you go? Hey. At night. 
You see, these people were ordinary like the rest of you. They didn't do it publicly sometimes. Okay? So he disguised himself so that they won't know it's so. Again, he went at night. night. Nothing new. Continue. Accompanied by two of his men. I have to talk to a man who has died, he said. Will you call up his spirit for me? Are you trying to get me killed? The woman demanded. You know that Saul has outlawed all the mediums and all who consult the spirits of the dead. Why are you setting a trap for me? Okay. So these things I was only showing you to say. Some of the things that you think is your heritage. It's not necessarily your heritage. It's other people's heritage also. But when we come to the Lord, we come as we are, but if there are some things that should be chiseled, those things should be left out. Jesus says you make the word of God of no effect because of your traditions. Okay? So now, where I like the grace of God coming into that picture is that if you read the book of Acts chapter 17, it talks about God placing us in different places and he puts boundaries for all of us. We are all unique. You are an African, you are in Africa. And you are from whatever tribe. Even when we are here, we are not from the same tribe. Okay? We are not from the same nationality. Okay? We are all different. But the grace of God is a common factor. Amen? We could gather here and not minding where you come from. Not minding who your forefathers were. Even not minding how you were born. Sometimes they will say you were born out of wedlock. Or you were born outside marriage. Doesn't matter. I'm here to fulfill what God wants me to do here on the earth. And that is the grace of God. And if you go with me to the book of First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10. I like what Paul says here about the grace of God. Because if you know about Paul, before he became Paul, he was Saul. He used to persecute the church of God. Okay? Just like some of us here, if we were to know where you come from, or what you did, some people would not want to sit next to you. But thank God they don't know. Amen. But above all that, even if they had known, the grace of God today has made me acceptable to God. It means each one of you, you are acceptable to God as you are, as long as the things that you know, this is contrary to what God has said, you leave that off. And say, I've got a new identity in Christ. Amen. First Corinthians 15.10 NIV says, But by the grace of God, I am what I am. So in other words, he's acknowledging that I am what I am today because of the grace of God. I have what I have today because of the grace of God. Because there are times sometimes when we think, I worked so hard, that's why I'm here today. I did a lot of things, that's why I'm in a position that I'm in today. So Paul says, it's by the grace of God that I am what I am today. And his grace to me was not without effect. 
No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. This thing to me says, it doesn't matter where I'm coming from. It doesn't even matter how much behind I was. You know, sometimes if you are coming from a poor family, people think that you've got to start from there, from the back. But the grace of God can propel you. You come to the front. Grace. Unmerited favor. Amen. He says, I am what I am today. And this same grace, sometimes when I think of this grace and think of his mercy, I really realize that it's just God's grace that I am what I am today. And I am where I am today. Because notwithstanding that now I know how to use faith and believe God for my protection, that the Lord will keep me safe. And believe God for my healing, that God will keep me in good, in good health. There was a time when I did not know the Lord at all. But still God protected me. Isn't it? So it means it's not about my effort. Because even before I knew him, by the way, the best chance that the devil had to kill me was before I knew the Lord. That was his best bet. Not now. Amen. Because by the grace of God, now I know how to believe God and his grace is sufficient for me. Amen. But there was a time when I knew nothing and the grace still kept me. Amen. It's like even some of you, there were times sometimes before you even knew about faith and things were working out. There were some things that worked well. And by the way, some of us should have been dead by now. But we are here because of God's grace. Tell your neighbor you are sitting next to a living testimony. Amen. Some of us shouldn't be here by now. Amen. So when we talk about this grace, I like also how the preacher or um, Solomon, he was one of the wisest men that ever lived. Let's go to the Ecclesiastes chapter 9 verse 11. We'll do it NLT, Mr. MJ. So I want to show you that actually even people of the Old Testament, they were sometimes surprised that sometimes things seems to be just working out for others. And they didn't understand what is that. Okay? It's only us now who understand grace because God has told us this undeserved favor is his grace. But like I said to you even last week, I touched on this one, but let's read it. There are times sometimes people, when people think, see things going well with you, they say, you are just lucky, my sister. Not all of us are as lucky as you. So now what must I do to, to be lucky? I also want to be lucky like you. What must I do? And you know good luck is not enough. It means it's something greater than luck. Read it for us. Ecclesiastes 9.11 NLT. I have observed something else under the sun. The fastest runner doesn't always win the race and the strongest warrior doesn't always win the battle. So if you think that I'm winning because I'm strong, I'm winning because I'm like this and this and this. You are mistaken. Continue. The wise sometimes go hungry. And the skillful are not necessarily wealthy. And those who are educated don't always lead successful lives. 
Hey, this one is even a tricky one. <laughs> Sometimes you find somebody so educated and you wonder, ah, but why can such a person educated like that live like this? Then you will realize that sin does not respect people's status. Amen. Yeah. Continue. It is all decided by chance. By being in the right place at the right time. Okay. So the preacher says it's all decided by chance. It's like the roll of the dice. By being at the right place at the, because he was surprised. These people, they did nothing. But things worked out for them. Maybe they were just at the right place at the right time. So how do I get to the, at the, right, to, to the right place at the right time? Is it enough just to say good luck to me? Uh-uh. I need the grace of God. Amen. But the world, because the world doesn't understand grace, they will think, you are just lucky, my sister. You know, in our whole lineage, nobody ever got a white wedding, but you are just lucky. You were just at the right place at the right time. But we know the grace factor. Read with me the book of Romans chapter 4 verse 16, King James Version. Because for me, unlike luck, which is a chance, grace is not chance. Grace is by design. Amen? When God favors me and he intentionally grants me things I don't deserve, it's not a chance. It's by design. Look at it with me in Romans chapter 4 verse 16 KJV. It says, therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace to the end that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to that which is of the law, but also to that which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. So he says, it is by faith that it might be by grace. Some of you think that grace is chance. Grace is not chance. Ephesians chapter 2, 4 to 9, NIV. Ephesians 2, 4 to 9, NIV. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. I like that first part. In other words, when God found me. By the way, do you know that we didn't find God? He is the one who sought us. Like a good shepherd who leaves the 99 sheep and go and look for one lost one. So, even when we were dead in our transgressions, his grace reached out to us and pulled us. So that you can say, Hey, I'll make the mother Hey, plus may footy. Open your very 
And he doesn't only hate the African speaking people. Wangitatala. Zuzala. Ulo. Means wherever you are, he can haul you eight. The mother's lake. Took me out of the deep. He took me. What's it? He lifted me up from the deep, my clay. And he planted my feet on the king's highway. And that is the reason. I sing and I shout For Jesus came down And he lifted me up Amen. Amen. He lifted me up. When I was helpless, he lifted me up. So it says, when we were dead in our transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In other words, when I say he planted my he, he, and plant, placed me on the king's highway, it's because now I'm seated in the heavenly places with Christ. Now I'm able to decree things in the spiritual realm and they come to pass on the earth. Now I've got the authority. I've got the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Amen. Amen. And the devil can't look at me as if I'm still in the mud. He lifted me up. Amen. Amen. Verse 7. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace. Expressed in his kindness to us in Christ. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. I told you grace is by design. It is by grace through faith. And that is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works. So that no one can boast. Because if it was by works. That's why you would boast and say. No I have. I am what I am today. I worked hard. You know I studied very hard. For my degree. Others started very, studied very hard. For their degrees. They got nervous breakdown. And today they are in mental institutions. So if you think, if you think it was you, then you're missing something. Amen. There's a lot that whatever you are, wherever you are today, if you don't acknowledge that it is by grace, you could have been somewhere else. Things could have turned out a different way. But the grace has been, God's grace has been sufficient for me. Okay. And when we look at this grace, I also like that I was saved by grace. But I also want to live every day by grace. You know that it's very easy for us to say I was saved by grace. It was not of works. But now when we walk with God, we sometimes want to work things out. How many times do you usually have option B when you are trusting God? You know we're trusting God. I'm trusting God. I'm believing God. But in case it doesn't work, I've got a fallback position. 
sometimes even some of us being pastors we also sometimes get into that trap because we are human then you you've got this just in case it doesn't work this and there was something that i i i was challenged that weekend of the i think i shared this testimony with some of you the weekend of the outreach here the open air actually for that weekend i had two testimonies <laughs> but but this this one we we wanted to be out here and they were forecasting rain from that morning the whole week and now i was trusting god trusting god but now i realize there is no option b here <laughs> do we have any influence on weather as human beings then i started understanding the scripture that says elijah was the man just like us he prayed earnestly that it mustn't rain for 3 and 1/2 years and it didn't rain and he prayed after that and it rained then i realized okay actually there are things that be that are beyond us where you can't have option b so why can't i just use the same faith even for the rest of the other things okay because there are things when you don't have option b okay now give you another example Okay. If you are in your car and another truck loses brakes and is coming your way and going like this. What option do you have? You've got a lot of money. You've got a gun. What options do you have? You are a skillful driver. I'll go left when the truck goes right and I'll go right when the truck goes left. and i will sway like this if they say i will sway and then what options do you have you've got no option so that's why then we've got to learn to trust in god Amen. and actually when we were studying here mr alipade you were singing the song through it all through it all i've learned to trust in jesus and i've learned to trust in god amen we need to learn to trust in him look at it with me in the book of galatians chapter 4 because this one the issue of option b i think i touched on it last week it's not starting with you there was a time when god promised abraham that he will have a son and i shared with you that Sarah could not give birth when she was still of a childbearing age. Now, when God gives that promise and now Sarah had even passed the childbearing age. Imagine you were barren when you were still of the childbearing age. Now you are in menopause which means even if you were not barren but the moment you are in menopause now you can't give birth. and god says you will be a mother of many nations you have so many children for me when i look at the word of god i see that even the people who lived they were faced with the same challenges like us because after god had said that abraham and sarah made a plan 
You know the plan, isn't it? And to help God. Abraham, you can go to my servant Hagar. Then we can get a son. And in that way, we would have fulfilled God's promise. You remember the story? And that's how Ishmael was born. But after Ishmael was born, God did not think that Abraham and Sarah had solved the issue. Came back and said, your wife Sarah, you will have a child of promise through your wife Sarah. So Galatians 4, 22 and 23 NLT summarizes it. It says, the scripture say that Abraham had two sons. One from his slave wife and one from his freeborn wives. The son of a slave wife was born in a human attempt to bring about the fulfillment of God's promise. You see that? Yeah. So it says how uh, Ishmael was born. It was man's way of trying to help God. But the son of the freeborn wife was born as God's own fulfillment of his promise. I think it's good when God fulfills his promise himself, isn't it? Because when we try to fulfill God's promise ourselves, you create things that when your real blessing comes, now that thing becomes like an Ishmael for you. Because now you've got your Isaac, but you can't kill Ishmael. Okay? So you could as well do yourself a favor by waiting upon the Lord. You know, sometimes as human beings, we think it's taking time. It's taking time. And sometimes you even have pressure from people around you. Let's learn just to wait on Him. Let's learn to just depend on His grace. Amen? Wait upon him. Let's start winding down. Let's go to the book of Matthew, chapter 11. Verse 28 to 30, I'll read in the message translation. Because here, Jesus was calling out to people to say, I want you to come and enjoy a stress-free life in me. He says, are you tired, worn out, bent out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you will recover your life. I will show you how to take a real rest. I told you, learn to rest and relax in him. Learn to, there was a time when I told you guys that why I like the children, usually between three and eight years old. Those ones are good. They are a good bunch of children. They think they know a lot of things. They teach you as parents. But they also believe that you've got all the power. I told you the other time, when you go to a shop with a four-year-old, he doesn't understand why you say you can't buy all the toys. <laughs> he just gets surprised when you say, ah, mommy doesn't have the money. Ah, mommy doesn't have the money. According to that child, she thought you have everything. The other time I told you, they even think daddy can beat anybody in the world. If somebody troubles him, he will say, I'm going to tell daddy. 
not knowing that daddy is a coward. <laughs> but for him, daddy can beat anybody in the world. But we've got a daddy who is the almighty God. We've got actually the kind of daddy that deserves the faith of a four-year-old. Amen. He says, I will show you how to take a real rest. Verse 29. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. You say, he says, I want to show you how to live in grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you will learn to live freely and lightly. So this is the call that Jesus is making. He says, are you tired? Come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden. Whatever pressure that you are under, I want to give you rest. That's grace. Say, let me, let me carry it for you. Cast your burdens unto Jesus for he cares for you. First Peter 5 Verse 7. Amen. He doesn't want us to carry it ourselves. He wants us to trust him. Amen. That's why 2 Peter 3.18. He says, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And all this is because when you are resting in God, it's not like your things are also resting. God is working behind the scene to make things work out for you. Amen? Your God does not sleep. He does not slumber. Your God doesn't go on vacation. You remember when the prophets of Baal and Elijah and Elijah said, the God who answers by fire, let him be God. And he said to the prophet of ba prophets of Baal, you start first. You must not make any fire. You get the, your sacrifice, you make wood, you put the sacrifice there, and you call your God to bring the fire. God who answers by fire, let him be God. Now they started praying. Pray. All the religions are powerful. Pray, pray. Nothing. They started even cutting themselves. Blood, bleeding, nothing. Until it was starting to get a bit late. So, so Elijah started mocking them. Cry hard, pray harder. Maybe he's sleeping. Oh, maybe he's on vacation. Then when it was Elijah's turn, you, you know what happened. Because we serve a living God. So for me, it's not about how hard you cry, how hard you push it. It's that connection that you have with the living God. Amen? Amen. So now, if you look at Isaiah 45 verse 15, in the message translation, it says, Clearly, you are a God who works behind the scenes. God of Israel, Savior God. Isaiah 45, 15 message. So why I like this verse is that even when I'm sleeping, 
He's working. Even when I'm preaching now, even when you are in church now, seated where you are, he's working out your things. Amen. He does not sleep. He does not slumber. He does not forget like people. Because sometimes people forget. Okay? So at least if we know that God is always thinking about us, God is mindful of us, then we can stay in his grace. Knowing that he is a caring God. He is a loving God. And because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. I know he holds the future. So I may not know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. Amen. That's what makes the difference. As long as my God is on the throne, it's all sorted. And I know that the devil doesn't have a final say. I know that my God cares for me. I know my God's eye is upon me. His ears are open to my prayers. Amen. We are going to land. I'll pick two more scriptures. Let's take Psalms 20 verse 7, Amplified Classic. Just to say to us, in this grace, it's not like there are not other things that you can trust in. Alternatives. Okay? People of this world, you'll find that some of them, they boast in their strength. They boast in their achievements. Okay? But we boast in the name of the Lord, our God. I'm reminded, as we're going to read this Psalms 20 verse 7, I'm reminded of the time when Goliath was going to fight with David. And David, when all the Israelites were afraid and scared, because they looked at Goliath and thought, this is a big man. He's been a warrior from his birth and he's big, tall. And he wanted a man to fight with. And the Bible says they were all afraid and they ran away. But David said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine who can talk about God like that? So when he said uncircumcised Philistine, he was saying, who is this who is this Philistine who has no covenant with God. Because for them, circumcision was a sign of a covenant with God. So in other words, when you've got no covenant with God, how can you talk boldly like that? Then he started saying, I'm going to kill you. And I will give the bodies of the, the, the Philistines to the birds of the air today. And then, Goliath was coming to him. You know the story? Yeah. Goliath said, give me a man. But do you know that Goliath had somebody holding his shield in front of him? The Bible says he had the armor bearer. And the shield guy was holding the shield in front of him. And he was saying, come to me. I'm going to kill you. So the, he was also speaking, isn't it? And now they were going to face each other. And I like David. You come against me. With a sword, a spear, and a javelin. But I come against you. He didn't say with a stone. <laughs> I come against you. 
Because if he came against him with a stone, the, 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 the place was very, it was like, I mean, that man was well, well armored and well protected. Okay? But I'm coming against you in the name of the Lord Sabaoth, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Amen. That is the name that we have today. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run unto it and they are safe. That name is still there for you today. The name of the Lord. Psalms 20 verse 7 Amplified Classic says, Some trust in and boast of chariots and some of horses, but we will trust in and boast of the name of the Lord, our God. Amen. I call on the name of Jesus. That is all I need. Okay. And his grace is sufficient for me. So as we winding this one down, let me also connect it with our giving for today. Because when you talk about grace, I said it's unmerited favor, undeserved favor, and all that. But there's also an element of grace which enables you to do certain things which you can't do on your own. Where you need the grace of God. Okay? I will read these two, two portions of scripture. Let's start with Romans chapter 12. Verse 3 to 8 in the Amplified Classic. Romans 12, 3 to 8. It says, For by grace, by the grace, and in brackets it says, unmerited favor of God given to me, I warn everyone among you not to estimate and think of himself more highly than he ought not to have an exaggerated opinion of his own importance. You see, that's what people do when they don't understand grace. But to raise his ability with sober judgment, each according to the degree of faith apportioned by God to him. For as in one physical body we have many parts, and all these parts do not have the same function or use. This is also linking with what I will be praying with some people today. Those ones who have attended the membership class yesterday, who want to be part of this family, we will be welcoming them also. So it says, in the body of Christ, we are all different members, but of the same body. Okay? It says, and all of these parts do not have the same function or use. So it means we are all important, we all have a role to play in the body. So we numerous as we are, are one body in Christ. And individually we are parts one of another, mutually dependent on one another. Then I like verse 6. Having gifts, faculties, talents, qualities that differ according to according to the grace given us. I want you to understand this. Other people can do other things more better because of the grace. 
Sometimes there are people who say you have a grace of a certain thing. Okay? It's like, let me give you a simple example. Do you know that this preacher here in front, when he is teaching the word, he does it with the grace. It's, it's like, it's just God's endowment. But give him a crowd to preach as an evangelist. Yeah, he will struggle. Not that he can't do it, but he will struggle. Because he doesn't have the grace for that. Okay? So if we start understanding that some of the things you do them well because of grace upon you. You've got a grace to do certain things more better. And that's why when God has placed us together like this in church, he has endowed each one of us with specific grace to benefit the whole body. Amen? So it means each one of us are important. Okay? So may you bring that which God has graced you with into the party. Amen. So now, with that in mind, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1 to 9. 2 Corinthians 8, 1 to 9. New King James Version. It says, Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, you see, we're hearing a lot about grace. The Bible is full of grace. So that we must live by grace. Now, it says, we want to make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. So there was a certain grace on those churches. That in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. So these people were poor. But because of the grace of God upon them, their gifts were extraordinary. That's three. For I bear witness that according to their ability, okay, yes, and beyond their ability. Did you see that? So he says, according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability. What is the beyond their ability? That's grace. It's not about you. And it says beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with much agency that we should receive the gift and fellowship of ministering to the saints. And not only we had, as, as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord. You see how grace works. They first gave themselves to the Lord. And then to us by the will of God. So we urge Titus that as he has begun, he had begun, so he would also complete this grace in you as well. He was talking about the grace of giving. But as you abound in everything, you abound in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love for us. See that you also abound in this grace also. Amen? Yeah, may, many people will say, no, we, I'm just this and I want to do that and I want to do that. And you abound in all those graces, but he wants you to also abound in the grace of giving. Amen? May we abound in the grace of giving. Can we all say amen? May we abound in the grace of giving. Amen. Just as you abound in faith, just as you abound in speech, 
Just as you abound in knowledge, see that you abound also in this grace. I speak not by commandment, but I'm testing the sincerity of your love. You see, the grace of giving or giving is an indication of love. For God so loved the world that he gave. You see how giving is a, it's an indication of love. He says here, but I'm testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. <laughs> For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become R-I-C-H, rich, through him. Amen. It means now I can come to a point where I know I am able to say the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I can come to a point where I say, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. I can come to a point where I can say, God is able to make all grace abound toward you. That you being all sufficient in everything should abound unto good works. That's grace. May we excel in the grace of giving also. Worship team, you're giving us a song as we excel in this grace of giving. Whether you're giving your tithe, your building fund contribution, your offering, do it as somebody who understands grace. Do it as somebody who says, I'm doing this within my ability, but even beyond my ability. Because of the grace of God upon my life. Amen. Amen.